Welcome to The Dream Show. I'm Jane Theresa Anderson and this is episode 273-273. During 2023, we're departing from our usual podcast format to bring you the audio version of my most recent book, Bird of Paradise, subtitled Taming the Unconscious to Bring Your Dreams to Fruition. Today's episode is part eight of the 10-part series. Each episode is standalone, but you will get maximum enjoyment if you begin with part one, which is episode 266. If you love the guest format, don't worry, it will return in late November 2023 when we've delivered all 10 episodes of Bird of Paradise. And remember, you can go back through every single episode of The Dream Show all the way back to our first episode in 2009 and listen to my conversations with our guests as we explore their dreams at janetheresa.com. That's Teresa without an H. janetheresa.com. Publishing the audio version of Bird of Paradise through the podcast means there's no fee for you. But if you'd like to express your appreciation and enjoyment, I'd like to encourage you to buy the paperback version for yourself or as a gift for a friend or two. Thank you. If you've missed the previous episodes of Bird of Paradise, here's a quote from the back cover to give you an idea of what's in store as you listen. Bird of Paradise is an inspirational guide to finding your calling and navigating your life using dreams, mysteries and alchemy. It's part whimsical memoir, part healing balm and part alchemical guide and it delivers my down-to-earth tools and techniques for decoding dreams and synchronicities as well as my unique signature alchemy practices that enable you to flow and grow with life's challenges, paradoxes and mysteries. So here we go, part eight. And this chapter is called Lotus, Nalambo Nucifera. When I'm doing yoga, I imagine my feet reaching down into deep roots in the earth. This is my foundation. And upon my fingertips, the lightness of lotus and roses bloom. Tiny birds suck nectar from the blossoms and lift me on their wings. Sliding doors and spooky tales. My family possesses a little red cupboard that has moved from house to house with us for years. And we have always forgiven it for its one fault. Doors that open whenever you walk past. The bolt that is designed to keep the doors closed is too short for the task, losing its grip and slipping out at the slightest vibration. It belongs to my son Ewan and his wife Natalie, but from time to time when they're overseas, it graces a corner in our home, as it does now. I could fix it with a strip of Velcro, said Ewan, steadying the cupboard into place one year. I don't know why I haven't thought of that before. Glue a strip of Velcro on the inside top edge of each door to hold them onto the cupboard frame. Or magnets, I added, warming to the theme. Past solutions have been more temporary. 
a cocktail stick or feather threaded into the latch to hold the bolt a little tighter? Or a wad of paper, wedge of cardboard, hair clip, rubber band, piece of string or silk ribbon bow, none of which really worked. I found some magnets and several experiments later, we were no closer to an adequate solution. We stood back and thought again. We could tip the cupboard back a bit, we announced together. A good idea that, let gravity help us out. Or file down the back legs, suggested Ewan, in which case the cupboard will still look straight. Aha, we looked at each other and laughed. Ewan placed his iPhone on top of the cupboard, selected the spirit level app and took the measurement. The cupboard wasn't level. It was leaning slightly forward, imperceptible to the eye, but enough for gravity to pull on the doors and pop the short bolt aside. So we now had a plan. Ewan would file down the back legs so the cupboard would sit straight and level and the doors would remain closed. We flipped the cupboard upside down. There on each of its back legs was a white plastic grommet. And there on each of its front legs was a telltale hole where screws had once held the grommets in place. No wonder the cupboard wasn't level. We didn't need Velcro, magnets, cocktail sticks, feathers, wads of paper, wedges of cardboard, hair clips, rubber bands, pieces of string, silk ribbon bows, or even a saw to file down the back legs. We just needed two grommets for the front leg. Better still, Ewan simply snapped the grommets from the back legs and popped them onto the front legs. This allows the cupboard to lean ever so slightly backward, imperceptible to the eye, taking all the pressure off the short bolt. This all goes to show, we thought, as we stood back from the big picture, that the way to solve a problem is to get down to basics by fixing the foundation upon which everything else depends. In life, it's easy to get fixated on the problem you see and to try to fix it at that level rather than to explore the foundation of the problem. The problem may relate to a house built on sand, a business built on unserviceable debt, a relationship built on undisclosed expectations, a health regime built on inadequate nutrition, a project built on self-doubt, or a way of life built on narrow vision. The house may be a perfectly fine house if built on rock, the business profitable if financed without debt, the relationship rewarding if expectations are negotiated, the health regime healing if supported nutritionally, the project successful if energised by confidence, and the way of life richer if built on a broader vision. While it might be easy to point to the sand as a problematic foundation for the house, or the unserviceable debt as a problematic foundation for the business, it's not so easy to notice self-doubt, narrow vision, or undisclosed expectations as foundational to other problems in our lives. Remember, we didn't know about the missing grommets until we turned the cupboard upside down. 
Many of our foundational beliefs about life are unconscious, having been deeply programmed into us during our early years. As we've learned in this book, we make choices and take actions, or hold back from taking actions, based on those unconscious beliefs. Some of those unconscious beliefs are good, some not so much. The not-so-good beliefs may be the source of a problem in one's life in the same way that the missing grommets caused the cupboard's doors to swing open when someone walked past. When you become aware of those less-than-optimal beliefs, you can replace them with better beliefs, in the same way that we become aware of the missing grommets and replace them. I'm I'm reminded of a spooky true story here, which I think you'll enjoy. Years ago, Michael and I spent a few weeks on an isolated 50-acre property in Queensland looking after someone's house while they were away, testing to see if the lifestyle would suit us. The house is haunted, by the way, the owner said, but you'll be okay. You'll notice doors opening by themselves, that's all. There was a concertina door into the bathroom and as often as I left it closed, I would return to see it wide open. I decided the floor was probably slanted, causing the lightweight door to slowly slip open over a period of time. Or maybe an animal, a cat, a lizard, a snake was somehow responsible. One morning I got out of bed and went into the kitchen to make a cup of tea. I nearly jumped out of my skin when I saw the microwave oven door wide open. It takes force to open a microwave door. You've got to press the latch and pull it back. No cat, lizard or snake that I know is capable of doing that. I felt goosebumps run up my arms as I made the tea. I took Michael's tea into the bedroom and told him about the microwave oven door. Maybe the house is haunted after all, I said. Until then, I hadn't believed in ghosts playing around with doors to spook the living. Now, I wasn't so sure. Michael's reaction was completely different to what I'd expected. I got up in the middle of the night, he said, and it was so dark that I opened the microwave oven door so I could see by its interior light. Was the house haunted? I don't know, but we were very glad to leave and return to life in the city. Our unconscious beliefs can haunt us, invisibly guiding our choices, spookily opening and closing doors to possible opportunities. Understanding our dreams can help us become aware of those beliefs so that we may then make conscious choices to build firm, positive foundations for the opportunities we would like to embrace. The secret of life. When I was about six or seven, an aunt gave me an autograph book for my birthday, a padded matte white vinyl cover with an illustration of a a modish 1960s lady, pen poised in her hand and lots of different coloured invitingly blank pages. My dad wanted to be the first to write in my book and he spent what seemed like hours looking through a quote-a-day calendar to find exactly the right saying to convey the secret of life. I treasured that book 
and all these decades later I can still remember some of the quotes and sayings and who wrote them. I took them all to heart. My maternal grandmother chose a 1950s favourite. Little grains of powder, little grains of paint, make a gal's complexion look what it ain't. I always took that to mean that too much makeup smothered one's authentic beauty. However, now that I look at the words again, it could also be about the positives of the grown-up art of beautification. My grandmother and my mother used puffs of powder and lipstick, nothing else. I just use lipstick. I wonder how much that autograph entry has influenced me throughout my life. My school teacher, Mrs. Johns, chose Eat no green apples or your droop. Be careful not to get to the croup. Avoid the chicken pox and such and don't fall out of windows much. Well, I'd already had the croup and chicken pox, so all I had to do was avoid green apples and open windows. I've just googled this verse and now I know these words were originally penned by Edward Anthony, 1895-1971, to in his poem, Advice to Small Children. I loved the rhyme and rhythm of those autographs and the thinking they made me do as a child, because they seemed to be straightforward and yet they weren't. Dad sat at the table surrounded by 365 little tear-off pages from last year's calendar, arranged into piles of suitable autograph sayings. Finally, he couldn't decide between two of them, so I got both. Be prepared to learn. The person who knows everything never gets far. And one of the great lessons of life is to learn not to do what one likes, but to like what one does. Mr Google hasn't been able to help me find an original source for the second quote that Dad had selected. This has both puzzled and inspired me, sometimes to like what I do, and sometimes to do what I like. Surely the secret, as adopted by Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step programs from Reinhold Niebuhr's Serenity Prayer, is... God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Plus a little Buddhist attitude. Before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Where in your life have you chosen to like what you do? How has this approach blessed you? Where in your life have you chosen to do something you like, something you otherwise wouldn't have done if you were focused on liking what you do? How has this approach blessed you? Here's a possibility. Driven by fear or danced by love? You choose heartbeat by heartbeat. Does this resolve the issue of whether to do what you like or to like what you do? What do you think? The tricky bit is that we often don't know when our choices and actions are driven by fear. We are all too easily driven by unconscious fear. The other tricky bit is that sometimes we need to discover love and how to be danced by it.
As a dream analyst and writer, I am blessed to be able to do the work I like and to help people look into their dreams, to see their unconscious fears and the enormity of their love. I enjoy helping them learn which of their choices in life are driven, consciously or unconsciously, by fear, and to help them surrender to be danced by love. IKEA meets Hanuman. When change is in the air, are you a baby steps kind of person or a giant leap of faith kind of person? Or do you dig deeper into the comfort of familiar territory and resist change? I'm going to share three pertinent stories here. One is about yoga and a Hindu god. One is about a MacBook Pro computer. And the third is about an Ikea cupboard. I can already hear you thinking, which one of these stories is about taking baby steps? Which is about the leap of faith? And which one is about resistance to change? Well, life isn't really as simple as that, is it? Or is it? Here we go. It was winter 2015 and we had just moved house. I work largely from home, so moving house also means moving office. During the weeks of planning, packing and unpacking, my very talented web designer, Siobhan, spun her magic and within days of arriving at our new house, my dream store and blog had undergone a major transformation to become a fabulous new site, janeteresa.com. So I kind of moved house twice while working as usual at the same time. These were wonderful changes, ones to fully embrace. The new house is more spacious, as is my new office, and the website has all the elements I wanted and more. But even positive change has its challenges. In the middle of it, I had a dream where I couldn't turn off any of the gas burners on our new stove. The more I tried to turn them off, the brighter and hotter they burned. I woke up in such a fluster, and it was only when I was awake that I could see the funny side. Given our move, I had relegated a lot of mental stuff to the back burner of my mind. As a result, it was now spinning over to the front burner, and I was finding it difficult to switch off. So I made sure to find time for my yoga, but that's not the first story. Let's start with the story of the IKEA cupboard. Have you ever noticed that change begets change? I had a lovely big IKEA double wardrobe for my clothes in our old house and two matching IKEA cupboards for my office. When you're moving from a smaller house to a bigger house, the last thing you expect is for the moving men to look at your new hallway and say, no way will this furniture fit in there. Not only could they not fit the wardrobe and the cupboards into our new home, but my very modestly sized desk, just a small table with pokey out legs really, also failed the manoeuvrability test. All I had in my new office was my chair and a pile of boxes, which brought a smile to my face. Oh dear, I'll have to buy a beautiful new desk and some better cupboards, I thought. Oh, and a new wardrobe too. What an opportunity. So off Michael and I went to Ikea. No baby steps, 
no leaps of faith and no resisting the change. Some changes are inevitable. You just have to see the inevitability as an opportunity and go with it, for change begets change. Whether it was part of the inevitability or a daft leap of faith, I'm not sure, but somehow, right in the middle of moving, we decided to make the change from Microsoft to Apple. I had been looking forward to making that transition for a few years. However, at the same time, I held back, thinking of the time and effort it would take to learn what I understood to be a whole different way of working. But suddenly, there it was. A brand new shiny MacBook Pro sitting next to my rather clunky looking Samsung on my beautiful shiny new IKEA desk. Take baby steps, advised the Apple tutor when I went for my one-on-one tutorial. Use your Samsung for work while gradually learning how to use your Mac. Pace the transition. I went home and thought my desk looked so much better with just a shiny new Mac on it. So I packed up the Samsung and boldly leapt. It was a good move, as it turned out. The Apple move got me thinking. Baby steps are really hard. Just watch babies gathering the courage to take their first steps if you don't believe me. Perhaps it's more courageous to take baby steps than leaps of faith. Perhaps it's more courageous to build slowly and steadily to immerse in the present moment of every new step along the way, to enjoy the magic of the adventure, to celebrate each step, to embrace change without burnout. Leaps of faith can get you to a wonderful place very quickly, but they can also go very wrong depending on what you put your faith in. In my yoga class, as life would have it, The recurring theme during that couple of weeks, introduced by different teachers, was the leap of faith taken by the Hindu monkey god Hanuman. The pared-down version of the story that we were told is that Hanuman is a god who had forgotten his magic powers. It's a very long story. You can read about it in the ancient Sanskrit epic poem Ramayana. (laughs) but he didn't know that he was a god. One day he needed to rescue Sita, the consort of the god Rama, from the island of Sri Lanka, then called Lanka. But there was a whole stretch of ocean between where Hanuman stood on the mainland and the shore of Lanka. But Hanuman was so devoted to Sita that he took a leap of faith. He took one huge jump, one leg extended out the front, one leg extended out the back and he landed safely on the opposite shore and then he found her. He also found his divinity, his God self, his faith in himself, his magic powers, his empowerment and his connection to all that is. Hanuman represents our journey to rediscover our divinity, our greater spirit. He also represents our ability to connect with our inner power, to overcome obstacles and have the faith to follow our path. At least that's my understanding. In yoga, the Hanuman pose looks a bit like doing the splits with one leg forward and the other leg back. In dream work, it's about discovering your wonderful, magical, divine self, too often hidden or forgotten. 
buried below layers of limiting beliefs and emotional blocks that hold us back from welcoming positive, expansive change into our life. A friend sent me a quote, source unknown, about Hanuman that really says it all, whether you're talking yoga or dream work. Don't tell Hanuman how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big your Hanuman is. How things change. One February, Michael and I spent a few weeks out on a rural property in Queensland, Australia. It was the haunted house I mentioned earlier in this book. Business is pretty transportable, what with laptops, Skype in those days, podcasting equipment that fits in a handbag, well almost, (laughs) and the ease of doing live radio over a home phone, or so we thought. It wasn't that easy, for we encountered old crackly phone lines, a fickle internet connection, and no cell phone connectivity. Thank goodness dreams don't need special equipment. They're on tap every night, come what may. I left the property to go home a few days before Michael. One night, all alone, he awoke in a freezing sweat. Something heavy and cold was slowly climbing up his arm. He turned over the possibilities. Snake, most likely. Deadly snake, very possible, there are plenty in the area. Spider, maybe. Deadly spider, they do exist. Perhaps a cockroach, it would have to be a big one. Whatever it was, he knew that moving too quickly increased his chances of getting bitten. And how, he thought, would he summon help? There was no cell phone, a crackly phone line, and 50 acres to crawl across if bitten by something venomous to get to a rarely travelled country road in the middle of a dark night. We had been told the property was haunted and, well, Michael thought maybe it was. (laughs) Finally, he opened his eyes. What met his gaze was a little green frog. It was harmless and quite beautiful, but not really what you want to find in bed with you in the middle of the night. We'd had enough rural experience for a while, yet what did I see when I opened the back door on my first day back in the city? The biggest green frog I've ever seen, so still and translucent that at first I thought it was a child's toy. How things change. The previous year, Australia was in a serious drought. Now we had such an abundance of rain that we had huge green frogs in the city. I thought about kissing the frog, but I already have my handsome prince. Not only handsome, but prepared to open his eyes and face his fears, and in doing so, discover something quite beautiful. Dreamvolution. When life presents you with a change, how do you normally respond? Do you resist, hanging on to the way you've always done things, sticking to routines and habits that have always worked for you? Or do you jump right in, eager for something new, tossing the old way aside without so much as a fond farewell? When was the last time you were faced with an unexpected major change? And what was it? A relationship breakup? 
an illness, a financial loss, a windfall, a pregnancy, a restructuring at work, a job upset, falling in love, or being given a new responsibility? Do you remember any standout dreams you had back then? Dreams can be at their most surreal and vivid during times of change. Each night as you sleep, your dreaming mind juggles the puzzle pieces of your changing life, mixing and matching bits from the old picture, your old way of seeing life, with bits of the new. It's searching for a workable big picture that suits your new conditions. Leaving one paradigm for another, you may find yourself in scary territory as you face the challenges, fears and adventure of the unknown. Your stress levels will shoot up and you live on edge, buoyed by boosts of adrenaline preparing you for fight or flight, to battle through the threats to your survival or your instinct that you should run away and save your skin and hide. Yes, times of change bring your basic survival instincts to the fore. Life gets down to the fundamentally important issues such as food, money, shelter, love, life and death. Thanks to nature, your instincts take over, or at least they try to be heard, especially in your dreams. As complex human beings, we have ways of drowning out our instincts, burying our heads in the sand, hoping the challenges of change will go away if we pretend they're not there. But how long can that last? Deep down, the adrenaline still floods our bodies, wearing us away with deeply festering, unacknowledged stress. Thank God that at night, with our conscious defences down, our dreams reveal our basic survival instincts. And at times of change, our dreaming mind may picture the end of the old way of life as death, and it may picture the new potential coming into our life as birth. Or these survival instincts that may appear as birth or death may also appear in the shape of animals that are frequently magical, vivid or surreal. Our dream animals at these times may seem awesome because they appear to offer up the chance of wondrous transformation, a fantastic adaptation to change. How can you listen to and learn from your dream animals? First, remember that everything in your dreams, surreal animals, death and destruction included, is a symbol of your own beliefs, energies and feelings. If you dream of a bear, for example, ask, what is the energy of a bear? Now, different people will answer in different ways. It's your feeling for the energy of a bear that matters, for this is your dream. For example, you might say that the energy of a bear is quiet strength. Another person might say confidence. Another might say vicious predator. Then ask yourself why this survival instinct might be trying to be heard at this time in your life. Let your answers flow. As with all dream work, this is all about awareness. 
when you are aware of the various energies within you at any particular time, you are better informed to make decisions. In this case, to choose the best way to adapt to the challenge of change. During times of change, it's common to have a succession of animal dreams, for a number of different survival instincts are stirred into action as you grapple with the transitions you are going through in the outer world. Here's a powerful dream alchemy practice you can do that will really move things forward for you by bringing you into a deeper awareness of the survival instincts being summoned up within you. During a period of change in your life, write a list of all the animals that appear in your dreams. Then imagine these animals sitting in a circle, discussing the best way to survive. And you can either do this in your mind's eye or, perhaps more powerfully, let your pen or keyboard type the conversation as fast as you can let it flow. As an example, you might end up with something like this. Bear. Quiet confidence wears down your enemies and conserves your strength. Don't waste so much time wondering if you're good enough. Embrace change. Sheep. Stick with the crowd. Don't try to lead. You'll only end up with more responsibilities. Bird, come up here. See the view from above. Sometimes a change of perspective helps. Get a bit more distance on this. Worm, you don't often see me, I know, because I like to bury deep and hide. But I must say, I quite like the sunshine out here. Oh no, I'm drying up, burning. Help, I'm dying. Bird, ah, worm, yum. You see, from my perspective, this little worm's been doing you no good burrowing away inside, eating you up from the inside out. Death to old worms. Long live the power of perspective. Kangaroo. Anyone tried this? Jump, spring, leap. I found this new way of getting around. Think it will catch on? Hey, you should see this cool new way I've found to carry the babies around too. In this pouch. Think there's a market for this? By getting your dream animals to interact in conversation, you invite new perspectives, healing, integration, in short, personal evolution. In this example, the dream animals express their individual survival instincts, and by so doing, a new picture of your inner world emerges. You become aware of the conflicts, for example, whether to lead or to follow, and you discover why the conflicts exist in the first place. For example, perhaps you are struggling with issues of responsibility and not being good enough. In this example, you identify the worm, the stress deep down inside, and you put an end to it by getting clearer perspective and by seeing things in proportion rather than letting small things gnaw away at you. In this example, you also see the beginnings of adaptation to change, with your kangaroo instincts finding new ways of doing things. Let your dream animals reveal your survival instincts during times of change. And let dream alchemy help you to discover the magic of transformation as you identify and heal the issues behind your conflicting instincts and evolve to find new ways forward.
I once was reminded of evolution in a dream, (laughs) wherein I noticed a giraffe sitting under the dining table. Yes, you're right, there's not much room for a giraffe to sit comfortably under a dining table, but this was a little giraffe with a short neck. On waking, I knew that this short-necked giraffe seemed very familiar. Then I remembered. Back in my days as a student zoologist, we'd heard the story of Lamarck's giraffe. In 1802, French naturalist Jean-Baptiste Lamarck proposed that animals could inherit their parents' acquired characteristics. His famous example is that giraffes started out as short-necked creatures, but in a time of drought, they had to stretch their necks to reach the leaves higher up in the trees once they'd eaten all the ones lower down. As a result, their necks got longer, and so their children were born with longer necks too. Charles Darwin's theory of evolution, published in The Origin of the Species in 1859, was different. Using the same example, in times of drought, most of the short-necked giraffes would die from hunger after they'd stripped all the lower leaves off the trees, but the occasional misfit giraffes, those born with slightly longer necks, could reach the higher leaves. These longer-necked giraffes live long enough to mate with the only other surviving giraffes, longer-necked giraffes. As a result, many of their offspring were also long-necked because they'd inherited the longer-necked genes. Simply summarised, Lamarck said that if you actively strive to make a change, then this will be passed on to your children. But Darwin said that change selects its own winners and losers. There has been a revival of interest in Lamarckism since the discovery of epigenetic transfer of characteristics to offspring, but let's leave the science and return to the personal. How will you evolve to meet the challenges of change? Will you stretch your neck? Will you let change dictate the outcome? Will you bring your misfit qualities to the fore? Will the ugly duckling become the swan? Or will you be creative in a a bird kangaroo kind of way? Let your dreams help you find the best way to evolve when challenged by change. I'll stick my neck out and invite a new word for this. Dreamvolution. Perfect, but for one little thing. Three ideas for a new blog jostled in my head. But which to choose? It was one of those perfect Brisbane mornings and I was just back from yoga, sipping coffee in a garden, still wet from overnight rain. A balmy breeze prevailed and birds chirped happily as they flitted through the trees, feasting on the array of delicacies rain brings. Everything was perfect, except for one little thing. A housefly determined to settle on my hand my arm, my leg. Shoe fly, I encouraged with yogic detention. No response. Go away, I insisted, shaking him off my arm. However, with equal insistence, he simply settled back down. Maybe it's the coffee, I thought, and I made the effort to get out of my chair and put my now empty coffee cup in the kitchen. Yet as soon as I sat down again, there he was. 
Maybe it's the post-yoga sweat on my skin, I thought, but I'm not going to let one little housefly rush me into the shower before I'm ready. I closed my eyes. The three ideas for the blog still jostled in my head. Even with my eyes closed, I could feel the tiniest tickle of the housefly's feet as it landed on my arm. It then flitted away for a moment before landing on my hand and flitted away again before exploring my wrist. How can it be that the tiniest creature with the lightest of feet could make its presence so enormously felt even when I had my eyes closed to it? I decided to zone out the housefly and I achieved some measure of peace for a whole minute or so. My eyes still closed, I imagined I was on the beach, the garden breeze now carrying salty sea air, the chirping birds now accompanied by seabirds in full cry, the children playing in the garden next door, now building sandcastles on the beach. Wide awake and imagining, every sense alive, I marvelled, as I often do, at the power of the inner eye to allow us to be in two places at the same time. I was at home in the garden and I was also on the beach. With my eyes closed, I could easily have been in either place. They were equal sensations. I was as totally on the beach as I was in the garden, but unfortunately, so was the housefly. All I had wanted (laughs) was to enjoy the perfect morning while those three ideas for a blog settled into priority order. Then I would have my shower, switch on my laptop and begin writing. The perfect plan for the perfect morning had been spoiled by one annoyingly persistent housefly jostling with perfection for my attention. So I decided to give it precisely that. I lifted my hand to my face so that I could examine the fly up close. He had stunning eyes of a sparkling, deep, ruby red that had me transfixed for a few perfect moments. Then he flew away and was gone completely. In his place there was silence, where previously three ideas for a blog and one annoying housefly had jostled for attention on a perfect morning. In that silence emerged a new tale to tell and the realisation that the morning had been perfect all along. Yes, that's a true story and such moments always delight me in the way they hold a mirror to the inner self with all its perfectly imperfect jostling perceptions of life just as dreams do. I wrote, of course, for the blog about the housefly. (laughs) The key is to be awake to both. And that's the end of part eight of Bird of Paradise. So thank you for listening to part eight of Bird of Paradise. The next instalment, part nine, will be released as episode 274, which will come out on the 5th of October 2023, if you're listening to this in real time. Remember, you can buy the paperback or digital version of Bird of Paradise wherever you usually buy your books or look under books on the menu on my website at janeteresa.com. janeteresa.com is also where you can go to discover my other books and courses 
as well as to consult me privately. And janetheresa.com is also where you can go to listen back through all previous episodes of The Dream Show. If you're keen to listen to guests exploring their dreams with me, go to episode 265 and work back from there. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of The Dream Show. I'm Jane Teresa Anderson.